Hello, welcome to Healing Out Loud, episode 57, with me, your host, Jackie Shea. It's as if somebody has put a curtain in front of you and your world that you're on the other side of because you don't have this smell information. I believe that if you want to overcome illness and thrive in this life, then self-advocacy and hopeful connection through shared experience are necessary ingredients. Healing Out Loud is designed to bring you just that, inspiring, relatable voices that have made it through their darkest days to ultimate triumph by advocating for themselves and engaging with empowering self-care tools. I want you to start healing today. If you like what you hear and want more, there are three ways you can stay in touch. Follow me on Instagram at Jackie. that's S-H-E-A-J-A-C-K-I-E. Join my newsletter at JackieShea.com or contact me directly through JackieShea.com and I will see how I can support you and meet your specific needs. If you missed the last episode with Eva Hagberg-Fisher on the life-saving power of friendship and her new memoir, How to Be Loved, check it out at JackieShea.com slash 56. In just a moment, we are going to meet my guest this week, Stephanie Foyer. Stephanie is a New York City-based writer and marketing executive. Her work has appeared in the New York Times, Slate, NBC News, Think, Narratively, Organic Life, The Forward, and numerous anthologies. She lost her sense of smell after a virus in the summer of 2017 and is currently writing a reported memoir about smell. I'm going to dive in with Stephanie as much as I can, asking her about a fire she was in as a young woman, how and when her anosmia came on, how it has affected her life inside and out, and what she did to get back to partial sense of smell with the use of smell training. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Jackie. Thanks so much for coming on. I'm really excited to have you. This is such a different story. I uh, read your piece in Narratively, Narratively Memoir Mondays. I think the memoirs come out. I just thought it was so interesting that I wrote to you, and I'm really excited that you were willing to come on and, and talk to us about this. Well, I'm pleased to be here. So we are talking about anosmia, which is the loss of your sense of smell, and you are one of about I, 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 two million Americans that suffer from this. Although that's I, a, yeah, that's an estimate. I mean, okay. nobody really knows, um, but more than two hundred thousand people each year go to their doctors because of some problem, some dysfunction with their sense of smell. Okay. Yeah, because I also saw somewhere that it's actually some study saying that 6 million Americans are affected. In some way for some kind of smell or taste right. disorder in some way, yeah. Okay. So I I had very um, little awareness of this, but I, I used to live near actor Bill Pullman. And he's such a great guy, and, and I had a friend who worked with him. He was really well-known in the community we lived in, and he did a lot for the com- does a lot for the community. So people, a lot of people know him and, and work with him. And so my friend told me the story a few years ago that um, they had picked a peach from a tree, and my friend said to him, isn't this so good? And he said, oh, I have no idea. I fell off a horse in my 20s, had a brain hemorrhage, and haven't been able to smell since. <laughs> So obviously smell affects your your taste as well and I remember hearing Exactly. This, I remember hearing the story and being struck by just how much joy would be taken out of life without your sense of smell and I I had never 
I hadn't really considered it before when and then I just thought about Bill Pullman like eating a peach and getting no real pleasure from it. And, you know, we always get asked, like, if you had to lose one of your five senses, uh, what would it be? And I think a lot of people go to smell and taste first. So maybe we forget just how precious these these senses really, really are. So true. You're I mean, you're absolutely so right. And we live in a very visual centric world um, so that that may be our first uh, point of input, uh, sensory input, but it doesn't mean that it's the only one that provides quality and important chemosensory information to us. Right, right. So I know this has been a really painful experience for you at moments, but I actually want to start with what's the most emotional pain you've experienced in your life prior to losing your sense of smell, if, if you would. That's tricky. I think, I think it may be connected to, to physical pain for me, which is, you know, that's the question. Um, I was in a fire many, many years ago, and um, I, I just found it so hard to uh, be without the ability to take care of myself for a period of time and be in chronic physical pain for that period of time while I was recovering. And that, you know, had really, I think your body remembers pain. So that had a huge impact on my, you know, emotional well-being as well. Wow. You know, I did, I I went reading lots of your essays and lots of your work. You're a brilliant writer. And um, I did not find anything about that. Will you tell us more about what that was like? Um. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't. I think I wrote one piece in an anthology on that. I haven't written that much about it. I was um, just out of graduate school and living in Boston, and I was um, actually on the way to New York for a job interview uh, to be a morning disc jockey at a radio station. This is when I was uh, in in radio a long time ago, um, and uh, I was rushing around. I made drip, you know, drip coffee, um, and. My hair was long, and there were threads on my shirt. And I leaned over and swiped the flame from the gas burner on my shirt, and my hair caught fire, and I'm sure the kitchen had a little grease in it, and there were papers on the kitchen table because I was reading and putting things together. And my kitchen went up on fire. Wow. So it was, and, you know, I had to, I remembered that great, stop, drop, and roll that they taught us in school, and good thing, you know, I ran in and rolled around my blanket, um, but, you know, did burn a, a good, I got much of it out, but most of my arm was burnt pretty deeply, so that took quite a bit of recovery. Wow, wow, something I don't talk about much um, is that my grandfather was a sole survivor of a, um, of a really tragic fire at Palisades Park, Oh my! And um, on a roller coaster, and they got stuck. <gasps> they got stuck in a tunnel, and the tunnel collapsed. And and he was actually oh, co- that's a nightmare. Yeah, he was actually covering his fiance at the time, Rose, and um, he <sighs> and she. Everyone died, but him, because oh. because he was um, in the army, and so he happened to get better treatment. And he talked about that fire for the rest of his life um, for obvious reasons. But, uh, you know, I so I've heard a lot about the trauma of being caught in a fire. Oh, and, I'm, 
What a terrible experience for him. But he, but I mean, you know, he talked a lot about the healing process and he was in the hospital. Now, obviously this was in the, in the forties, but he was in the hospital for two years. Um, And so I imagine, you know, and he was pretty helpless in that time. And I imagine that you were, you, I I guess you did skin grafts and. and Yes. But for me, it was just, I mean, it sounds like he had much uh, larger percentage of his body was burned for me it was restricted to my arm but that was enough you know and how long were you in the hospital for um I was in and out I kept trying to um get out of the hospital in between the skin grafts and were you in uh, the kind of emotional pain you were feeling I mean were you were you just in oh it's incredibly traumatizing um and you know how could this happen to you you're, you're young you're vibrant you're you know, it's like when an accident like that happens, um, it really makes you question everything, I think. Yeah, yeah. And we hear about them all the time. I mean, you know, what I do to deserve this? What I do to make this happen? What, you know, and how, how did- could I be so stupid, of course, with, you know, threads hanging down on my shirt and a gas stove? Right. And how did you kind of get through those self-judgments and how did you heal the, the inner turbulence? Well, in the end, you can't go backwards. And you can only use what um, happened to you to move forward. Yeah, so how did it change you for the better? Um, I, I guess that experience, I would say, really focused me on... Um, it, it made me much more kind of career focused on what I was doing. Oh. I felt like, you know, ooh, time could be very precious. Maybe I'll never get a chance to do this. And it maybe made me a little more fearless about what I would go for. Oh, cool. I love that. I love that. And one last question on this. Did it change your relationship with your body as a woman, as a young oh, woman? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, having until I kind of got used to the scars, that was a very big deal. Did you wear, were you big on wearing like long sleeve shirts? And Absolutely. Mm, and today, are you able to, to celebrate? Were it doesn't you- bother me in the least. I completely forget. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that with us. I have to say, I was, I was not expecting, I kind of want to do an entire episode on this. <laughs> that's that's amazing um thank you so let's go to what happened what took you to anosmia what was the beginning of your story when was this um this was the summer of 2017 and i caught um a really bad virus i was visiting my mother she was uh she broke her hip she was in one of these rehab facilities or maybe it was in the hospital right before she went to rehab, that I caught uh, this terrible germ, um, you know, like a virus, upper respiratory infection. Usually I don't get sick, so it was surprising. But I was run down. There was stuff going on with my job. We were renovating our apartment and moving out for a couple of months. And I, it, you know, you have chicken soup. You, you don't eat much when, when you, your nose is stuffed. You don't notice that you're not smelling or tasting things. But... After a while, it had been, you know, six weeks, I was better, and I still didn't smell or taste anything. And I realized um, that, in fact, I had lost my 
sense of taste and smell while I was watching the eclipse that um, summer. It was that big um, total eclipse of the sun uh, because I was I was sitting, I guess, downwind from stinking garbage. I didn't smell it, but nobody would stay anywhere near it, and I had a great spot to view uh, the eclipse, but unfortunately... <laughs> I realized the reason was that I couldn't smell anything. Wow. Okay, so you were watching you were watching the eclipse. You realize that there's garbage. You don't smell it. What's right. what's the first thought when you realize I haven't been able to smell in 6 weeks and this is not normal? Well, I was I was really flipped out and of course I consulted Dr. Google. Um, and found just amazingly frightening things on the internet about how smell is a predictor for early dementia or Parkinson's or early death. Um, and yes, you know, it, it is a predictor of those things, but it, that's not the only circumstance that relates to losing your sense of smell. So it took me a while to get through those and realize that this was just a condition um, but nobody really knew that much about it uh, medically. There's there's not a whole lot in terms of cures. There's not a lot of literature out there on it. A lot of doctors didn't know about it. My doctor didn't know anything about it and just sent me to a specialist. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, Google is so Google, – Google, Dr. Google comes up a lot on this show. And um, – you know, I actually just consulted Google about something, even though I know better. And, you know, it was like horror, horror stories about the stomach discomfort that I'm having that is definitely, <laughs> definitely just like gas or indigestion. And I was like, you know, led down a very tricky path. So um, so you went to the first you look at Google, then you go to the doctor and the doctor doesn't know what to do. And sent me to a specialist who... Um, decided that, no, I didn't have a brain tumor and, you know, no, there was no physical thing um, that had manifested, no polyp or anything, that it was indeed a result of this virus and there was nothing they could do. Did they say to you, likely this isn't going to come back? That's right. Wow. And what, what went on inside of you when you got that information? Um, I, I couldn't believe it. I still really went... I first heard it, I still really thought it had to be temporary, that there could be no way that this was going to be um, how I was going to be. I, I didn't even understand the extent of how it could affect you at that point either. Um, but I just kind of had it in my head that it wasn't going to be always. In reading your story about this, I too was really surprised by the different ways that losing your sense of smell affects a person. Will you go into some of the ways that you d noticed that became a part of your life that you would have never considered before losing your sense of smell? Well, one of the first things is, even though I'm a pretty avid cook, I didn't realize how connected smell and taste were. Uh, well, it's smell and flavor. Taste happens on the tongue. You know, you get that salty and the sweet and um, bitter, but flavor happens in something called retronasal smell. Um, it happens in the back of your mouth when you chew, and without that ability to process the um, olfactory information, everything tastes like cardboard. Well, you know, 
that led to, oh, and then I could take salt and um, heat, you know, hot, very spicy things. So I'd have like pretzels and jalapeno, or I'm usually a clean eater, but I would eat Doritos um, because the crunch was exciting because, you know, nothing else food-wise was was pleasurable. So that was a big change um, right away. And I... I can't begin to tell you how it feels when you're almost looking in on your life. It's as if somebody has put a curtain in front of you and your world that you're on the other side of because you don't have this smell information. Just everything felt blank. Mm. Yeah, you talk about that. And, and I really, I, I did really notice that junk food piece that you were talking about, that you just started consuming junk food because nothing that you were eating was bringing you any kind of pleasure. Um, and then that you did talk a lot about like having, feeling like this curtain was between you and your life. Can you explain that in more detail? Well, I think that, it, you know, the way smell works is that it's processed through um, the limbic system, the hippocampus um, and the amygdala, the areas that control mood and emotion. So when you're not getting that input, it's like all of a sudden you're flat. You know, if you if you walked around with um, earphones all day, I'm, you know, uh, earplugs all day so that you didn't hear anything, it would really you know, you, you'd start feeling very kind of internal uh, right. about everything, I think. Stephanie, this is kind of a, a tricky question, but based on what you know now, if you did have all of your senses complete, would you still, and you, and you were faced with the question, which of your senses would you want to lose, do you think you would still choose smell? Um, that's a tough one because I don't, I don't know that, you know, it's ever a choice. I guess at this point, I suppose I would choose smell because it's the one that I now know how to cope with. Mm, of course. Of course. Right. Yeah. So what else What else started to happen? I mean, your story is really um, evocative and it really made me think a lot, which is obviously why I wrote out to, uh, reached out to you. So what what are some of the other things that just started to change and and you felt flat and there were other things that I found really interesting like about your laundry like you were suddenly having to do laundry all the time because you yes, couldn't well, smell yourself you're, you're concerned about your personal odor um so yeah you're gonna want to do your laundry and brush your teeth all the time but you know for me it was also I I live in New York City I walk around a lot of places so you get sweaty. I mean, it was summer and early fall. Um, and I'd always be concerned, you know, Ooh, is this the stinky kind of sweat um, <laughs> that I have? Of course. You know, my, because I couldn't tell. So I would kind of, you know, always have the little wipes uh, that you sometimes bring to the gym when, you know, you have a short turnaround just to make sure that I didn't smell. 
right. I'd arrive somewhere and quick run to the bathroom. Of course. Right. That makes so much sense. It all made so much sense to me reading it and here talking to you. It makes so much sense. But these are just things that you would never think about. And so did you start to get, it sounds like you kind of already answered this, but did depression really start to set in in this like? Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, I'm lucky that I'm into working out because I think, you know, that's the thing that saved me that, you know, I I had those endorphins going all the time. Um, And I also think that, you know, there's a lot written about how um, uh, aerobic exercise helps cell regeneration. So I think that helped the little bit of recovery that I have had, you know, being physically active. But yeah, it's it's tremendously uh, depressing. And people don't understand what you're talking about. You say, you know, I've lost my sense of smell. I, I mean, I had it happen where somebody um, stuck a salad with like blue cheese, you know, smelly cheese um, in front of my nose and said, certainly you must smell this. It's like, no, I don't. I don't smell anything. It's not about something smelling stronger. It's just I do not have the ability to do that anymore. Right. So were you feeling really separate? Absolutely. And, and you know, you stop talking about it because nobody understands what you're talking about or they think it's not a big deal or at least you're not blind or any number of other things that people have said. So you just, you know, shut up about it. And find your own tribe on social media. Right. So I was going to ask, so is that what you did? Did you start looking for people that have had... That yes, have- there are a couple of Facebook groups that, you know, are populated with people who have either um, congenital anosmia, they, they were born that way, or anosmia because they've had a brain injury. Some There's some cancer medicines that um, have a side effect of people losing their sense of smell. The CPAP um, for sleep uh, problems, this device that's used now apparently is causing um, people to to lose their sense of smell. And then there are people like me who are what we call post-viral. So yeah, there are, there's a lot of conversation amongst, you know, everybody about, oh my God, you know, right. it's the holidays and I'm not going to be able to smell this or when we have what I call smell incidents, um, we report them just for a moment. Hey, I was able to smell this today, and it was amazing. Right. So did you find that finding the community online was really supportive for you? Yes, it's tremendously helpful to think you're not going nuts. Right. Yeah, I mean, I found that, and I, I tell people this all the time, the people I work with that find somebody who had what you have and ask them how they made it through or how they're making it through. And do yes, what they did. Yes, that's very well put. Great. So, so I love that you found a supportive community. And so, I'm sorry. How long has it been now that one was since the summer of 2017? Since the summer of 2017. So, what lit you up and made you go to any lengths to get your sense of smell back? Because you started de- just just going for it with smell training, which we'll get into in a moment. Um, but um, what what really just sparked sparked your curiosity? Well, I you, you have to do something when when they say, well, there's nothing you could do. There's always something you could do to enhance your life. You have to be able to take control of something, um, and whether it's something really big or really small, or something that's going to lead to a cure or just be a contribution, 
Um, you know that old saying, if you don't use it, you lose it. Um, that, you know, that's the underlying um, thought of smell training, which is, you know, try and do something. Don't give in to it. Right. So you went out and started smell training. So let's uh, take a break for the self-care tool quick and get into that. Welcome to our self-care segment of the podcast, where we arm you with new, affordable, and easy-to-use tools in each episode to kick some self-care butt. My hope is that you will come to collect a number of ways to take care of yourself inside and out, so add these to your toolbox and watch your inner resourcefulness grow with each use. We are building up your defenses, inspiring your mind, body, and spirit toward total wellness and freedom. Let's dive in. Okay, Stephanie, please explain to us what smell training is. And first, let's just start there. What is smell training? Smell training is the use of essential oils, uh, intentionally sniffing them twice a day. Um, Not the oil from the bottle, but on, um, let's say, some watercolor paper, like a test strip, like a perfume test strip. Some people use them in discs and put their nose in a little jar. But the idea is that you're sniffing these different kind of pure odors to try and stimulate um, your ability to detect and process the um, sensory stimulation, the olfactory stimulation. You take um, a couple of drops of lemon essential oil. Um, Citrus is one of the core smells and put it on a little piece of watercolor paper like the size of one of those test strips and let it sink in for a second and then wave it under your nose and really try and intentionally smell it think about what lemon is supposed to smell like and um it's practicing and um doing it twice a day uh, in the very beginning, for me, I didn't smell anything. I really felt pretty foolish doing it. But um, I just had to hope that with each time, I would begin to smell something. And I did. Eucalyptus was the first oil that started to come through for me a little bit um, because it also stimulates this nerve. Um, you know, sometimes when you have peppermint or if you breathe in Vicks Vapor Rub, you, you can feel that. Um, nerve being stimulated. It's that same feeling when you're sniffing the eucalyptus. It's not quite odor. Um, but getting some something happening was very exciting. Right. Yeah. So what did it feel like in that first moment that you were able to smell the eucalyptus? It's just a very hopeful moment. When, Ooh, <laughs> maybe, maybe this will work. You never know. And I think that positive attitude, uh, bringing that positive attitude towards the regular sniffing of these things um, was really helpful because it's it's easy to abandon something that seems very woo-woo and not necessarily like it's going to work. Um, and when it's not working for you right away, it, it feels like it could be an easy thing to walk away from. But because I got some response, I was able to stick with it. Right. Amazing. How long, and are you still doing this today? Are you still? I still, I still do it. I can smell the different, the four different oils and I've kind of expanded. So I'm working on 
the distinction between tangerine and lemon and orange and lime. Okay, so you're working on all this stuff. You're you're smelling these oils, and then one day you're out and you squeeze some lemon and you smell it. Right. I was at a very ordinary restaurant. Um, my girlfriends, great conversation. They're fabulous. But there was nothing special about the food we were eating. I, I think we were barely paying attention to it. And all of a sudden, I put this lemon on the fish and I smelled it. And it was like, I swear, it was like the, the room was in color um, where it had been in black and white. Everything, you know, kind of got brighter. And I was like, wow this is fabulous. And they're looking at me like, what do you mean this is fabulous? This is, you know, not great food. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no. And then I realized it's because I could, you know, smell and taste something that it was so pleasurable. Wow. So, but it didn't last. Right. But it and didn't... it didn't extend to anything else. Right. So do you think that because you were smelling lemon oil? Yes, exactly that. Right. Wow. Okay, so it doesn't last. So in that moment, did did your first thought go like, oh, my God, maybe I can smell everything? Well, I hope. But the first moment was, oh, this is amazing. Oh, how good this is. Right, right. So It was just, you know, simple, basic appreciation. I love that. And then did you start sniffing things? Were you like, oh, yeah. But, but, you know, I had been sniffing things, but I really kind of made it, um, you know, one night I went through the entire spice cabinet and opened everything. Can I do this? Can I sniff this? Can I get that? And no. No. (laughs) Okay. So I tried. So what did that feel like then in that moment after sniffing everything in the spice cabinet and having nothing come back? Then what? What was that feeling? It, It was pretty depressing. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of kind of peaks and valleys, and I tried not to think too much about the pieces of this that would bring me down. Um, but the it started bothering me that smell is so connected to memory, and um, there are so many studies that connect um, loss of smell with dementia that I'm thinking, well, maybe there's more of a connection and maybe, you know, if I forgot anything, I would always worry that, well, this is part of a bigger um, situation that I have. So that kind of got me very blue. Yeah. Do you still feel that way? Um, I'm very interested in the connection between smell and memory. I I think it's very profound um, and... I think um, some of my memories have changed. I don't know if my memory, like, you know, give me a list of numbers. I'll remember them the same way I would have before, or, you know, whatever those memory tests are. I don't think it's that kind of change. But I think that some things that I look back on are not as vivid mm. without being able to access that. Mm. Yet I have a very good, um, they call it top-down memory. I have a very good top-down memory for smell. So certain things I really feel that I could remember what they smelled like, and I've used that in my smell training. Amazing. And did it, does it work? 
Um, I have some of my smell back now. So I would say that for me, smell training worked. Right. And if you look at people who go into perfume as a profession, uh, they're called noses. And they train. Um, they have to be able to distinguish all these, you know, slight chemical differences so that they could um, create and test um, perfume and other scents. So training works for them. And training works for dogs. If you, you know, a drug-sniffing dog or a bomb-sniffing dog is trained by being exposed to the scent over and over again. Right. And where did you, who, who, um, who brought this to you? Where did you find out about smell training? Well, there's um, a professor in Germany who came up with this idea. And then there's a website in the United Kingdom called Avcent that um, promotes a lot of this. But, you know, again, it was a lot of hours on Google to find um, what has worked for people and then spending time in the different um, Facebook groups where people have said, yes, I tried this and it worked. And so do you, have, do you know people in those Facebook groups that were without smell and now have their full range back from smell training? I know of them. To I, I don't know, you know, when we say we know somebody and it's somebody that we know from Facebook, I'm not sure exactly right, right. how to respond to that. I mean, yeah, I've communicated online, via, you know, with people who have had that circumstance, but I think maybe it's a stretch to say I know them. Of course. Sure. I understand. That's that's amazing. And you're only a couple of years into this journey, really. So right. so we don't know what's going to happen for you. And currently, you do have some smell back. What can you smell yes. now? Well, I can smell oranges. Um, I can smell lemons. I can smell lavender oil. Um, I still can't smell coffee. I still can't smell cinnamon. I can't smell garlic. I don't smell... Um, poop or you know when my dog throws up I don't smell that right um I don't smell my husband Mm. you know is that hard yeah yeah I watched a video on anosmia and one of the people said that the hardest part was that she couldn't smell her partner her husband I mean I feel really bad for for mothers with young children because that was such a joy Mm. of smelling your young child. Right. Right. God, all these things that we don't think about. Um, So really, it sounds like you can smell the things that you're smell training on. Yes. Yeah, that's amazing. And then then I also have, um, unfortunately, as it starts coming back, you get something called phantom smells. Not everybody does, but I have. um, Where... Sometimes if I'm stressed out for the day, I will smell smoke or car exhaust or um, the other day it was vinegar that followed me around for most of the day. Oh, wow. It'll follow you around all day like that. Yeah, it's not. I mean, your mind, I, I, your mind is triggering that perception of the smell. It's not necessarily something that's there. No, right. Yeah, I understand. But it will stay with you for that yeah, long. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Some people have it endlessly and their sm- the smell doesn't change. <gasps> oh, wow. Um, I, I only have it episodically. 
So I consider myself very lucky. And when you have it, does it is it usually in correlation with how you're emotionally feeling? Um, not always. Okay. But you know, it it's like it's not a guarantee if I'm stressed out that that's going to trigger it. Um, but I've noticed that stress often precedes it. That is so interesting to me how much our emotions play into these things. Um, and, and smell, especially what you're saying about smell. I mean, it's really connected to our, our emotional life. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. So I'm just wondering, do, do the essential oils that you use have to be of certain quality? I have pretty good quality um, oils. I went to, because I'm in New York City, we have everything, including, you know, a Wicca store. So that's where I went to get my oils. Um, you know, they're pretty pure and just, you know, if you are using smell training, make sure to store them in amber bottles and in a cool, dry place and don't leave the bottle open. Just put a couple of drops of the oil um, on the watercolor paper or disc that you're using. Right. And don't put it right up to your nose. Just, you know, leave a little air between. Oh, okay. Okay, good to know. Have you tried smelling cinnamon oil? Um, I have and I don't. And you don't? Okay. I don't. I have patchouli. I have pine. I have, I have a bunch of oils. Um, That's awesome. And I have some perfumers scents as well, some environmental scents that I've been training on as well that haven't broken through amazing how did it um how did losing your sense of smell change your relationship with your son and your husband i don't know that it has changed my relationship with my son mostly because he's away um maybe he thinks twice when i cook something Mm -hmm. (laughs) that it might be too hot but aside from that no um my husband i have relied on in a new way because I want to know what things smell like. So I'll often say, hey, you know, what, what does it smell like in here? And he then has to describe smell. And if you think about it, that's not so easy to do. We don't have that many words for smell. And a lot of times we just describe smell by the thing it is. So it's challenging for him. But I, but he's, he's up to the challenge. <laughs> That sounds like it's brought you guys closer in this way where, where he he gets to serve you in this brand new way and he gets yeah, to Yeah, he got to cook for a couple of months too. That oh, was big. yeah. And he and he gets to kind of be pulled into the present moment and as he <laughs> and as he describes a smell to you, can you start to smell it? Like it, you know, through memory of a smell? No. no. I wish. No. Okay. Okay. Got it. Yeah, that's that is that is really intense. So, how does uh, how does your whole life kind of look differently than than it did before all this started? Well, you know, one thing that you know I, I think is really key to mention is that um, because I don't live alone, I'm not as worried about personal safety. But it's a huge issue if anybody has. Um, a loss of smell to make sure that they have a fire alarm and to make sure that they have, if they live in a house of carbon, I think they're carbon monoxide detectors. There, there are other kinds of gas detectors too, um, because you can't smell that stuff. 
and you rely on your sense of smell to uh, tr trigger that there's danger. And if you don't know that that's there, um, you know, be careful cooking. I, you know, I've heard of any number of people who have left something on the stove and then they don't really, you know, they forget and they don't smell it burning and then it becomes a big issue. There are so many things. We also, th thank you so much for bringing up this topic. We also rely on smell to know how our car is doing, right? Like gas leaks in our car or um, for me, I know I've relied on, on you know, the smell of different things in my car because I've had some car troubles <laughs> that have not been fun. Um, also your refrigerator. I had um, uh, one uh, an office meeting on a Monday and I wasn't really looking. I poured the milk into my coffee. Of course, I had no idea that it was spoiled because I couldn't smell it. I went to pick up my coffee cup to drink it and I saw the little clumps of white that you know are spoiled, you know, badly spoiled milk. Right. right. And I couldn't smell it. So many things, so many things to think about that you just, that we just don't, that we just do not think about. Mold, mildew, those things are dangerous. Also, we don't think about them. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And so is that one way that you feel like you're just more diligent about, you know, getting the help you need? Yeah, I think, you know, it's just, th there's that awareness and, I think there's, for me, it's a, a more subtle change that because I've had to, um, just to keep myself kind of upbeat and full and positive with my world, I have to um, kind of emphasize different things. So I really, you know, either music is sharper or I'm paying more attention to it. Um, you know, I try and really feast on good design and visual stimulus I always did but I really make more of an effort um, to take that in for food uh, texture is big um, where maybe I didn't think about it so much and color you know and how you arrange um, a meal on the plate really makes more of a difference to me than ever before what is like a tasty meal for you now like whether it's tasty visually or in texture. Oh, I have a, a, a favorite uh, fish tacos because um, there's the, the cabbage and then I could always put hot sauce on it. And then there's, it's wonderfully tactile. Mm. And also because for a while when I first came down with this, I was only eating things I had eaten before because I could somehow kind of remember what they tasted like, um, and that helped. So I, I knew fish tacos, so I would have a lot of fish tacos. So that's a meal that I still like. Right. That's awesome. So it sounds like you're talking about some ways that your life has changed for the better um, in terms of being more present for what, what you can experience and really, like you said, feasting on it. And, um, and, and reaching out to new foods, are there any other ways that your life has, has changed for the better? I guess the other thing is because I'm now talking about this, it was hard to admit for a while um, because I've written about it and because I'm connected 
to other people who have this condition. And I feel like I'm in a position to maybe share some knowledge because I've done a lot of research um, and help people out. And, you know, that's always a, a g- good feeling that if you're going to go through something awful, that at least what you're going through can help someone else. Yeah. Absolutely. And and do you feel like you're able to help a lot of people? I bet, I bet you are. I, I have heard since um, I published that piece and narratively, I've heard from a number of people through my website um, who have this condition. Um, in fact, one person who just was coming down with it and got to the doctor and maybe the window of time where something might work for him. So that's very gratifying. Oh, wow. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So what's next for you, Stephanie? What are what are you striving for in the next chapter of your life in general? Well, I am working on actually a memoir about smell. So um, because I've become so fascinated by how the science of smell works um, and how that connects to our, our, you know, memory and emotional life that I really want to tackle it in a nonfiction book that pairs with my own experience. Amazing. I I mean, I'm so intrigued by everything you're talking about. I can only imagine that it's going to be a brilliant, uh, brilliant book because there's so much that we experience in life through our sense of smell. And, um, you know, we don't, a whole book on that sounds um, just fascinating to me. And oh, m- mixed with all of your knowledge about smell and memories and the science, right? Like it's it's very it's a very interesting topic to me. So I'm excited for you to do that. Thank you. And do you have hope? Do you still feel like you might get your sense of sm- smell back in full force, or are you not thinking like that anymore? I'm a little resigned. Um, a lot of what I've heard and read is after a year, a year and a half you're going to get most of what you're going to get back. Um, So I may not get back much more. As you get older, your sense of smell diminishes a little bit anyway. So there's that timeline that's working against me as well um, that can really um, hamper any um, uh, progress I make with smell training. So that could be an issue, but I'm going to keep trying. And I sniff my cinnamon every morning, too, oh, good, good. <laughs> when I put it in my oatmeal. I love it. Do you feel, do you still feel, not still, but do you feel a sense of this looming depression around it? Or do you feel like you're pretty free from that dark phase of this experience? Every so often it really hits me. Sometimes when we go out... Um, And, I mean, this winter we went to a place where there was a fireplace. And I knew it was a restaurant with a fireplace and a wood-burning stove. And I knew that I was missing out on most of the experience of that place. Yeah, so much to think. You've given me so much to think about personally. Um, Yeah, and so in those moments when it does get dark and heavy still, um, is there something you do to comfort yourself and to move through? Or do you just let let it move? Well, for me, um, the physical um, really helps, you know, keeping moving, doing some, I lift weights, you know, things like that. Right. Um, getting to a spin class uh, really helps me just kind of reframe and refocus and right. get out of that 
you know, dark pit of a place. Right. Right. Beautiful, Stephanie. Thank you so much for everything you've shared. Will you tell us where to find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Stephanie Foyer, F-E-U-E-R. And that is also my website. Um, and those are the two best places. Amazing. StephanieFoyer.com, right? Right. Great. Perfect. I will link to all of that and everything else we talked about in the show notes below. Thank you again, Stephanie, so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Healing Out Loud. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Find me at Jackie on Instagram, my favorite social media platform, and follow me at JackieShay.com if you want to stay in touch. You can also write to me through JackieShay.com if you're interested in working with me as your trusted wellness companion. I'm always happy to hear from you with any questions, comments, or concerns. You can also join the Healing Out Loud with Jackie Shea Facebook group. Have an amazing week, you kick-ass humans. I hope you're able to implement what you learned this week, and I can't wait to share more. Bye.